0: I'm Zaire el and I'm Molly Stitt
1: and thank you for joining us on this Word to the Wildcat podcast. On this cold day, we will be
0: discussing the foundations of leadership. We would like to introduce today's guest from BSU, Nate McMillian.
2: What's going on everybody? Nate McMillian here, he, him, his pronouns. I am this year's vice president for the Black Student Union. I've had the opportunity to serve as president before. I've also been central student trustee And I work as a student initiatives coordinator outside of the diversity and equity center.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, Nate. Um, Can you um, talk about BSU, the importance of BSU, and um, kind of talk about who's on the board currently for this school year?
2: Yeah, so BSU is just a black student union that's on campus. I would say when we discuss the importance of it, it's really just about giving anyone who identifies as black, African-American, African in America, we just want to give you a safe space and a community on campus that you can feel at home in. Um, We understand what being black and attending a PWI can mean. We understand the challenges that that can present. So we just try to help as many of us navigate that and create that safe space for us as as much as we possibly can. Um, For this year, i'm pretty excited about our board especially coming off of last year with us being in a pandemic almost everything that we did had to be done virtually so um, going into this year we have paige who is our president also current student trustee uh, for central as well myself at vp i would say for our positions it's more so um, more so the leadership positions on the board there as far as being the front facing, you're probably gonna see us at a lot of events that BSU is at, um, involved in a lot of events that BSU is at, um, and try to get our members there as much as we can. Uh, we also have Solomon, who is our ESC representative, who gets us connected to other ESC orgs on campus. We have Peyton, who's our programmer. She takes care of our events. She watches over our social media a little bit as well, and also um, helps us come up with activities and stuff to do in the general meetings. Nathan, who's our treasurer, taking care of our finances. And then we have Gannett, who keeps us in line as our secretary, making sure we are staying according to our word and what we say week after week. So that would be our board.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Um, so going back to BSU, um, can you talk about the significance and the importance of BSU on campus and what it means to be and like kind of the struggles of being black in Ellensburg um, and how important that community is? Because as someone who is black in Ellensburg, I can tell you firsthand it's not an easy thing, especially if you come from a diverse setting and you move here to its where it's like majority Um, white campus. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about the importance of that?
2: No, for real, because I think a lot of our students, um, I I know for myself and a lot of people I know, are coming from the west side of Washington, like Seattle, Tacoma, different places like that, to where you are guaranteed to see a bevy of individuals, all types of colors, shapes, and sizes, things like that. And you come out here to Ellensburg, and it's rural town. As soon as you get off the exit, you're like, oh, this is interesting. And I'll be honest, I haven't been surrounded by as much farmland as Ellensburg in my entire life. So that was also kind of just like a wake up call. I'm assuming not just for myself, but for most black individuals coming into the town. But with that being said, uh, we have faculty on campus. We have alumni, black students who have come and graduated from here that have figured out the different pockets Places, ways to navigate the sound, ways to navigate this campus, and they share that with us. They they continue to leave those notes and those trinkets within our community. So it's our job, really, as BSU, to make sure we are giving that information out to as many individuals as we possibly can. Um, and in that same vein, we know that Ellensburg can be at least optic-wise. It can look like I don't really know where I can fit in around here. I don't really know where I can like. Where's my hangout spots at where I can kind of kick it at? Well, BSU, we just want to give you that space. So you don't have to look anymore. You got us. And we're always going to be here.
0: So circling back to um, when you use PWI, what does that refer to?
2: Yeah. So PWI is just referring to, or just means predominantly white institution. So any university or any school that um, essentially where the majority population is white, Phenomenally one institution there. Um, I think you are hard-pressed to not find hundreds of them in any state across this country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, so on the topic of leadership, um, can you talk about or discuss why it's important to have leadership within the black community on campus and the importance of black leadership? Because I feel like when talking about leadership, um, it's not very inclusive a lot of the times to the black community. So can you talk about the importance of that?
2: Yeah, it's it's crucial because when, I think Central is so gung-ho about recruiting, 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 and Mm -hmm. getting students here and getting students here, but Mm -hmm. it's like, once you get them here, what are we doing to keep them? And so especially if you're talking about black leadership, when we are getting our black students here, our black men, our black women, um, when they're arriving here on campus, are they seeing themselves? Are they seeing representation of themselves? Are they seeing, um, do they feel that they're being heard in any type of challenges that they um, are being presented with or anything like that? So when kind of referring back to that PWI word, you really, as a black student, you're trying to figure out how to navigate that the best you can. And a lot of us, I, I would say, well, just speaking for myself there, kind of come from an environment to where, hey, you need to figure it out on your own. And you're kind of taught that to where it's like, you know, whether it be that get it out the mud mentality or anything like that. But it's like, no, you got to figure it out. But that's not reality you know it's just if we're here and we have leaders on campus who have been through the process who have gotten to their senior year who are graduated alumni whatever the case may be you now have an opportunity to turn around and make sure everyone else can walk that same path and get to that same finish line as you. Um, for me, that's my main reason as far as being on the BSU board. It's I know what I had to do as far as just getting to my senior year and getting to graduation coming up. And I was like, I don't want anyone else that looks like me to have to run through those same walls if they don't have to, because that's just unnecessary. And people's like, well, you learn from that. Not everybody has to learn the same lesson, especially if I already learned it, why he got to go through the same thing you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I th- I think that um, you bring like a very valid point to the table when you talk about um, the experience of black um, people having to deal with the whole like um, figure it out on your own or you just don't make it mentality because that's what it's kind of been for me going to college here as well. Um, I think um, Central prides itself as you said on being you know a very diverse school but that diversity doesn't mean much or prove anything if there's not a lot of like resources for Black students to uh, use or to have on campus to help guide them through the process. Um, I think that the mentality of you know just figure it out or you don't make it is very toxic, and that's um, a lot of the reasons why um, you know people can get easily discouraged because that's that's no way to learn. Um, I personally shut down if that's like the only option I'm given. So I think that's something that definitely, definitely needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that it's great that we have a, a solid uh, BSU um, organization on campus that can really help a- and be that resource to to black students on campus. Because without BSU, um, it would be it'd be kind of <laughs> a scary place here, I'm not going to lie. <laughs>
0: um, y'all were talking a bit about being a senior and also being in BSU, what opportunities in BSU do you get as a senior?
2: Yeah, I would say um, as as seniors, first and foremost, congratulations, because you're coming around to the home stretch. You know, the finish line is in view, so that in of itself is worthy to be praised upon. Um, but as far as getting involved with BSU, Really, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's just some of the, in order to get to the senior point in order to graduate, you had to figure out what your process was. You had to navigate your path. You had to figure out what works for me while I'm in school, what isn't working for me, whether that be study habits, faculty to talk to, um, different places, resources on campus, whatever that is, you now have that wealth of knowledge.
1: So when talking about um, BSU, I think it's important to Director um, connects like incoming students to um, get involved or to join BSU for those interested because I think it's pretty much a, a universal experience for um, uh, black uh, incoming students to kind of search their school and see if there's like an available BSU club mm-hmm. um, t- just to make sure there's community, especially if it's at a PWI. I know. A lot of people who have done that, including myself. So can you talk about those who may not know that and how to get connected to BSU?
2: Yeah, I would say um, if you have an, an IG or an Instagram, the best way um, from there is definitely to give us a follow um, at CWU underscore BSU. We post all of our meeting times, get posted on there, any events that we may either be putting on or participating in gets put up there. Uh, If you are on the Ellensburg campus and you're not sure, let's say you may not have social media and you're just not sure um, where exactly to go, uh, I would highly encourage you to go down to Black Hall. Um, Room 101 is the Diversity and Equity Center. Um, Within that office, we have the ESC Advisor who can get you connected with not just BSU, but with any number of ESC organizations on campus, all of them identity-based, um, or if not there, I would also recommend coming up and checking out Slice, who I know is in charge, and over clubs, who can also get you connected with some of the clubs on campus as well. So if the social media route doesn't work, but you're still on campus, those are the two offices, I would say, if you can get to there, they can point you in the right direction.
0: So, what are some opportunities for students who want to join or get involved with BSU?
2: Yeah, so. For us right now, it's uh, in this quarter, it's really a lot of community building and just getting everybody kind of recognized and seen on campus to let people know it's like, hey, you're not here dolo, you're not here, you know, by yourself. You got this, you have a community. Winter quarter, we, we get jumping pretty much. Um, we have a program that we always participate in and sometimes um, either help. Uh, facilitate and bring on with the Martin Luther King celebration and for Black History Month we've had the opportunity to About, I think it was three years ago we started a panel with the museum um, Mm -hmm. on campus about being black in Ellensburg um, and it was a community conversation. We had people from both the school and the town of Ellensburg come. Um, But now, thankfully, we've been able to grow that into just Being Black in Washington. And last year, even though it was virtual, we had students participate from several other schools here in Washington um, who got to participate in a Zoom session in that conversation, in that panel. We even had, um, even though he wasn't officially our president, uh, Dr. Walpart actually came to the Being Black in Washington last year, and I I thought that was super, super dope. Um, So we have that that we put on every year, Um, especially in Black History Month There's always something we're doing on this campus. And for anybody who, any black individuals who may want to learn some more about their history, they say the best way you can learn something is by teaching it so really with the presentations and stuff that we're going to be putting on anyone who wants to get involved with that we highly encourage you to do so um, as far as some of the more fun things we had do every single year we put on uh central's biggest talent show unfortunately last year just with the pandemic being what it was we weren't able to do it but we are definitely bringing back Showtime at Central this year. Um, it is a traditions keeper event for the school. Um, it's one of those, the last time we did it, we rented out the music hall, we packed it out, it was completely sold out. Um, it had an awesome show. It's paying homage to Showtime at the Apollo, for those who know about it, and we just invite all the students and we come, we have a good time, performances are usually usually good. Um, If they're bad, then it's still a good time for everybody (laughs) because you knew what you signed up for. Um, But no, uh, I would say for that, that's probably some of the ways you can get involved and looking ahead to spring, there's gonna be a few things that we're gonna try to start for the very first time going into spring quarter there. I can't give away too much, though.
0: So, Nate, you mentioned that you were previously a member of the Board of Trustees last year. What was that like, just being in that space, especially as a black man? Um, How was that?
2: Yeah, I would say being a student trustee last year was about five months of imposter syndrome, followed by some really, really good dialogue and conversations for um, my last quarter there. Uh, To be completely honest, when I had found out I had gotten student trustee, I really didn't believe it because I was like, I tell people all the time, I know the man in the mirror, so when some, like when I get rewarded things or opportunities come, it's just one of those I try to be as humble as I can, Um, but the first couple meetings, I was actually kind of blessed in the fact that since last year was all, was just the pandemic, most of the meetings were all virtual. And I can't tell y'all how many times I had to Google words that were being used in conversations in the midst of the Board of Trustees meeting. Now, thankfully, it's virtual, so it's nothing just to open up a second tab, quick Google search, and then we're good. But and so that's really where a lot of the imposter syndrome kind of set in, because it was like, I, I, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Um, but thankfully, shout out to Linda Schottler, who is our board secretary. She kept insisting, like, Nate, you don't have to be anybody but yourself. You, we got you here because we know you care about the students. We know you care. you love our university. We truly just want to hear what is the student's perspective. And... After about, like I said, it took me maybe first couple meetings and then I started getting just a lot more comfortable. I wasn't, you, you can ask any of the board members, I wasn't one who felt the need to speak on everything. But especially when it came to something that our students were doing, um, like, for instance, coming into this year, well, we were coming back into in-person, and what were some of the protocols on that, where um, I got to participate in those conversations. I had the opportunity to be a part of the, um, one of the search teams that brought in Dr. Walpart, So I got to interview him before he was our president. Um, so it was it was a really awesome opportunity. And, and in that same vein, I, I am thankful a whole lot for Robert Nelson, who was also on the board, um, another black man who was on the board, and it was plenty of times to where I, as a student, maybe didn't feel that I had either like the power or the agency to really speak up. He was able to step in for me and be like, hey, we're not doing this, and then him and I got to have a conversation afterwards where he would nine times out of ten confirm what I was thinking or validate what I was feeling in that moment. So. Definitely, it was, like I said, a lot of times I was just in those meetings, like, what am I doing here? But by the end of it, it it, it was an awesome experience. It was amazing. I I would love to do it again should I ever get the opportunity. Um, The board is awesome. And it was something that I had to learn super, super quick, um, is that you can't be intimidated by titles. Like because once I saw that I was going to be the student trustee, I started looking at the other board members. And then you see CEO, CFO, owner of this company, um, this Fortune five, and you're like, all right, um, I got about a couple hundred in the bank, maybe. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things, it's like, all right, what if like, I'm feeling in those moments, are you really going to take my opinion, my thoughts seriously? Are they going to be validated? But everyone on the board, They didn't care about their titles. They didn't care. They truly wanted to learn. They truly wanted to know what was going on with the students. So anytime I spoke, they were all ears, which for me was shocking. I'll be honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm really happy to hear that they kind of threw away those titles and it was just a whole bunch of people just wanting to work together. Um, You were talking a bit about feelings of not be feeling comfortable, um, and you mentioned imposter syndrome. So could you talk a bit more about that and what that means?
2: Yeah. So essentially, I, I would say for myself, is a lot of times when I'm in situations, let's say, especially with student trustee, um, I really didn't feel like I deserved to be there. And, and not necessarily, if not deserved, maybe not necessarily qualified enough to be there. Um, For me, I was a non-Trad student. I know what my current GPA is once I finish graduating here. We ain't bragging about it, but we got a degree. So it's just like the combination of those different things plus just my own personal history is just, am I really, am I qualified enough to participate in these conversations that have to do with the entire institution? And not just the entire institution of Central, but us in relation to UW or Western or a number of other uh, Washington institutions there. And it's like now, like in my first couple of conversations I had with Linda, she was really presenting that scope to me, and it was intimidating at first. I, I'm not going to hold you because you, you're realizing she let me know that you aren't necessarily just representing the students here at Central Washington. You are trying to keep in mind and create the best situation for the students in the state of Washington, just all college students in general. So, with that in mind, there's sometimes, and thankfully, shout out to Mikkel, who was our ASCU president when I was student trustee. Um, there were times him and I maybe didn't, couldn't agree on something, or maybe we felt that there were two different paths that could solve the same problem there. But even in the midst of that, we were still willing to work together to where I never felt that I was making a decision that would bring any harm to central students. And Mikkel never felt that either um, at any point in time that we were like coming up with things, initiatives, or things like that. So it was really just a lot of times just kind of talking with myself, like, "Am I really qualified to be in this position?" Um, And I'll be honest with you, I'll probably be dealing with those type of feelings long until my my thirties and forties. So, but it's life. So.
1: (laughs) So Nate, can you talk a little bit about? the leadership opportunities that you have taken um you know just as an incoming freshman to senior today
2: yeah so it's it's, it's funny because a lot of my leadership opportunities and i, I thank god for this i like think they, they kind of just at least the opportunity itself kind of just landed in front of me it wasn't a lot i had to really go um searching hard for my first year uh, i showed up here a little bit late i started winter quarter instead of fall so um, honestly, my first question as soon as I got on campus was, where are the black people? Like, I, I need to find us. Um, thankfully, we had a couple of members from BSU at the time. I got connected to them in the CERC, and it was just wanting to be involved. I would say that was really what spawned most of our, say started um, most of my leadership journey is just wanting to be involved and wanting to help out. So I got started volunteering at BSU. Uh, just helping out at different events, um, tabling, different things like that. And I had the opportunity to run for a board position. And I I figured I would take it. And what kind of spawned that was we had a situation. It was my my freshman year here to where there was a incident involving police brutality up at Club 301. And what ended up happening is that the... EPD chief reached out to Central and the ESC organizations as far as trying to have a conversation as far um pretty much putting the context of the whole situation and everything that helped out and that happened with that as well as moving forward what we all could do. Um, I was invited along with the current ESC rep of BSU to be a part of that conversation, and once we had gotten there, I started realizing that. I was one of the more vocal people in the room. Now, I'll be honest, that probably was just because of how my own personal feelings towards police officers there, so I'll I'll be transparent about that. But in the midst of that, the questions that I was still asking, once you start seeing validation, you know, the head nods, the mm mm-hmms coming from across the table, you're like, oh, all right, so I'm kind of to something here. I would say my biggest moment that let me know that, no, your voice isn't just meant for you was my sophomore year. I was already on the board with ESC, or with BSU as their ESC representative. And it was our very first time doing Being Black in Ellensburg. So this was the community uh, conversation day. And the way it was set up, it was at the Wellington Event Center. All the students, all the Black students were sitting at, at the table inside, and everyone who is not identifying as a student is kind of sitting on chairs surrounding that. So. A conversation comes up as far as like what would you like to do or what would you like to see happen going forward. Now I don't know who all is in the room, so when I'm asked the question, I'm thinking I can just pop off. It's, it's nothing. So I go from there, I was like, well, we had a conversation with the then central president at the time. Plus the police chief as far as like, hey, these initiatives are gonna start happening on campus, these relations are gonna start getting built. We were supposed to start seeing these community activities start happening. We haven't seen any of that. What's going on? Are we just saying stuff? Like I'm starting to go in and then as I finish, our moderator at the time was like, Oh, well, I know the perfect person to answer that, President Galdino. And EPD Chief Ken Wade, would you like to answer these questions? So I'm going off about both these people whole time they're sitting there in the room and I don't even know it. <laughs> I don't think that I had a more cracked face moment probably since I've been in school, but <laughs> that it was crazy for me but in the midst of that I saw, and this is my own personal enjoyment, I saw how uncomfortable just the truth was making them in that moment because it's just like you can't just say we're going to do something and leave it at that because, no, people remember, people will hold you accountable, and if we're gonna be about something, let's actually be about it. And it was really from that point going forward that I was like, okay, my voice isn't just meant for myself. I can actually use this voice as an advocate for other people. What cemented it for me, (coughs) uh, I had the opportunity to be a part of the cross-cultural leadership program um, my sophomore year as well. Um, outside of what was the CLCE, now Slice, shout out to Slice, Um, but we went down to New Orleans and I had a chance to, for a week there, we started um, doing some research and talking with the community members about the infrastructure, how it was being rebuilt post-Katrina, what that looked like, and at the end of the week, we had the chance to go and talk with the first African-American woman mayor of the city of New Orleans. That's an experience I will never forget. We had a chance to take pictures with her. We got to talk to her about her community. But the biggest thing for her is that she let me know is that perspective is one of the most important things anytime you talk about leadership. The example that she gave us was that so many people in the town may be thinking, oh, this pothole. Why is this pothole here? I'm tired of running into this thing. This pothole has been here for the last year. What are we doing? So they bring the pothole complaint to the mayor, but they don't know what the mayor knows. The whole time the mayor has the information that, hey, there was a provision or a bill that was put in place six, seven years ago that only allocates funding to this sector or this section of the city, this section of the city, this. So we can't get funding to come fix this pothole because of a bill that I'm still trying to get taken out of office, taken out of essentially commission that was put in five, six years ago. But the person who just sees the pothole has no knowledge of that. They they don't know what's going on. So that let me know that anytime you're in that position of leadership, you have to be able to take a step back and look at everything objectively. It's like, yes, you may have the one person who's talking like, we need to solve this, we need to do this, but it's like, okay, if we just hop into that, what's that going to look like? Or why is it we haven't done it yet? Is there a reason? Is there something preventing us from doing it? So. I would say those two moments really kind of just submitted for me is like, all right, your voice isn't just for your own and always make sure you're looking at the larger picture when it comes to situations. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, Nate. I think um, that's just really valuable <laughs> information. And I think um, you sharing the experience of you not knowing that they were in the room was <laughs> funny, but it also, um, it also, uh, Helps, you know, everyone redirect their focus to the issues at hand and how, you know, you have to go further than just, okay, sending an email out and saying we're going to do these things or we're going to have these trainings or we're going to have these talks. And then it just stops at the talks and there's no, um, you know, actions put into place because I think um, talking is a lot of the times can be a waste of time because after that, you know, people just vent their frustrations and then Mm -hmm. the same people go home and with no intention of um, changing and just, you know, well, we talked about it. So I think that's a very valid point, And I think that happens quite often in Ellensburg, especially to um, the black community within Ellensburg. I've had my own experiences of, you know, dealing with some of the on and off campus police and, um, you know, them not being held accountable to some of their actions at you know until you know emails and other people got involved and then it was like you know we'll do better and then um, you know there was no change whatsoever so mm. I think that's a very important topic as well
0: I wanted to say that I also think it I love what you said Zaire and also what you said Nate and you also mentioned about like seeing the discomfort on their face and I think that's actually very important to be able to grow and to actually develop and make these changes because how can we move forward without making ourselves uncomfortable confronting bias confronting the things that have been passed down to us from society things that aren't true and um, so it's good when people are uncomfortable because that means that they're finally acknowledging that something isn't right. And so so make sure to sit in that discomfort.
1: Sit yeah. in it. <laughs> Sometimes it, it can yeah. feel that they're acknowledging <laughs> because I've again I've witnessed some people that, you know, have been blatantly discom- like uncomfortable and then nothing changed. I also think that um, ha- how how I see it is that, you know, being black in Allensburg alone, like there's a lot of situations where you know black people are un- uncomfortable on the daily, so I really don't care to cater to um, other being other people being uncomfortable. Um, I just care to see um, their words put into action. I think you know we have to deal with that every day so
2: no to that point Zaire, that was probably the the conversation I was having the most last year. Mm-hmm. Um, because with everything that had happened um, just in 2020, take away the pandemic, but um, everything that happened with, and I don't need to say the names, we all know because I'm not going to get into that, but it was so many people who was like, oh, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. And I'm like, what are we talking about anymore? <laughs> you see it, like it's, it's blatant and it's in front of you. And I legit started getting angry at people whenever they were like, oh, mm-hmm. well, let's have this conversation. Right. What are we talking about now? like? You're now asking me to have a conversation. Hey, are we sure the sky is blue when I'm walking out every day and seeing it? (laughs) I feel like, you know,
1: having a conversation is, like, the easy way out a lot of time, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's people's false sense of, like, um, getting, like, holding certain people accountable, but, um, yeah, what are we talking about? Like, if, um, you know, and then there was talks of, like, training, more training being done to, like, you know, police officers, and it's, like, I mean, you don't, what are we training you to do, not to racially profile and shoot someone? Yeah, You know, like I don't understand what the (laughs) training or like what we're talking about over and over again. I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like it's just, you know, a lot of BS going on there. But I mean, these are all valid topics that I feel like it's swept under the rug a lot of times or it just stops at a conversation. So, you know, going forward, I would like to see a lot of the things being brought to um, the school 's attention and the president 's attention to be actually put into actions of just redundant talks and
2: i 'll say for me, um, especially with, with the talking point um, my my thing was it's not that all the conversations are bad. It's just you wanting to have the conversation with the black individual versus not wanting to have the conversation with the aunt or uncle that you never speak to on holidays, at family gatherings, or that family member that keeps making jokes that none of the family laughs at. No, go have a conversation with them. Talk to them about why they need to stop doing that. You don't necessarily, Zaire, to your point, need to have the conversation with a black identifying individual so you can feel better. It's like, oh, I'm not one of the bad ones, am I? Like, that that does nothing for me. That doesn't help at all there.
1: Yeah, that's a discussion I had with a close friend a few days ago. Um, I feel like the conversation is almost always geared towards, you know, black individuals and never geared at, towards the people that need to be educated and need to educate themselves. It's not you know the duty or the job or the requirement of a black person to educate um, others of what's offensive, what not to say, how to be an ally, how to be a good person. Um, you can you talk about the importance of that and then yeah, know,
2: wrap up? Yeah, because I, I would say, I mean, let's, let's just break it down. I feel like when people wanna have those conversations with black people, I feel like it's more self-serving personally versus actually trying to find a solution. And in that same way, I, I had a conversation with a friend it's like, yo, let's say you had a traumatic um, experience or just, if not traumatic, something that seriously annoyed you and you'd rather not talk about it anymore. But 50 people come to you in within a month saying, hey, can you tell me about that? I, like, I'm just curious as to what that really was or what's going on with that. You wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't enjoy it. You wouldn't even want to talk about it anymore. You'd probably get pissed off. But it's like in that same vein, that's literally what was happening with black people all of 2020 where everyone was like, hey, let's have these conversations. Hey, can you talk to me about this? Hey, what's really going on? It's like Google's free, one. Yeah. <laughs> like And two, there are too many well-educated individuals who have already gone out of their way to do the work and make it as easy as journal prompts prime example me and white supremacy it's a thirty-day book and i want to say it's four weeks you have journal prompts at the end of every week if you can't journal i mean i don't know what what to really tell you in that situation but it's really that simple when it comes to it in a lot of times so as far as like the importance of educating yourself, if you truly want to be an ally and you truly want to make sure you are looking out for that community, you will do the work on your own without anybody patting you on the back, without anybody giving you kudos as far as like, hey, we appreciate the help. No, you'll just wanna be a good person and a good individual. Like quoting uh, me white supremacy again, she always talks about being a good ancestor. That That's the standard we're trying to set here because we already know what previous ancestors were and I don't need to get into that. So at this point going forward, it's like, what are we doing to actually be a good ancestor going forward? So that's how I would say it, it is as important as it is for everyone to do the work on their own there.
1: I think that's, um, you know, those are great points. I always uh, say that, um, it's not like black people are fighting or advocating for anything new. It's the, been the same thing for um, decades centru- I mean the civil rights movement like it's not any I mean police brutality we were advocating for that 50 years ago so I feel like it's I mean like I said it's it's up to the person to educate themselves um, There's so many books documentaries interviews um, people that you can still talk to today.
0: Thanks for tuning in, Wildcats, on our fourth episode. Streaming is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and 88.1 The Berg.
1: Make sure to tune in next um, quarter to hear about all the topics we will be discussing.
0: Um, Thank you so much, Nate, for coming in and sharing your past with leadership and all of the great things BSU is doing. Thank you.
2: Appreciate y'all having me.